Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that believes there's no time like the present to learn about the past. I'm Gabe Blousier, and in this episode, we're talking about the remarkable determination, creativity, and patience of Annie Sullivan. Her pioneering work in the field of touch teaching improved the lives of countless blind children and earned her the nickname, The Miracle Worker. The day was March 3rd, 1887. American teacher Anne Sullivan was introduced to her star pupil, Helen Keller. Johanna Mansfield Sullivan, known throughout her life as Anne or Annie, was born on April 14, 1866, in Feeding Hills, Massachusetts. Her parents had immigrated to the U.S. from Ireland to escape the Great Famine of the 1840s. The couple had five children together, but only three survived their infancy. They were Anne, the oldest, Jimmy, her younger brother, and Mary, their younger sister. Anne Sullivan and her siblings grew up in extreme poverty. They were malnourished and lived in unsanitary conditions, leading them all to develop health problems at an early age. When Anne was five, for instance, she contracted a bacterial eye disease called trachoma, which severely impaired her vision and left her almost blind. Three years later, Anne's mother died of tuberculosis, and two years after that, her father left home and never came back. The Sullivan children were split up following their abandonment. Mary was sent to live with an aunt, while Anne and her sickly younger brother Jimmy were entrusted to the Tewksbury Almshouse, a state facility for the poor. Unfortunately, the conditions at Tewksbury proved just as bad, if not worse, than the Sullivans' childhood home. It was filthy, crowded, infested with vermin, cruelly mismanaged, and deliberately undersupplied. Anne's brother, Jimmy, died just a few months after they arrived there, 
forcing her to endure the neglect and squalor all on her own. Anne Sullivan remained at Tewksbury for about four years, during which time she began to long for a formal education, viewing it as a way to lift herself out of poverty. She feared that dream was out of reach due to her disability, but then she learned about the Perkins School for the Blind in nearby Watertown, Massachusetts. The prospect of attending rekindled her hopes for the future, but there was little chance her neglectful caregivers would actually let her go. Luckily, fate intervened when members from a special commission visited the almshouse one day. Sullivan shadowed the group all afternoon, and eventually found the courage to approach them and ask that she be sent to a school that could actually meet her needs. The request was granted, and Sullivan was allowed to enter the Perkins School for the Blind in 1880. It was a drastic improvement in her fortunes, and the skills and self-reliance that she learned there would inform her choices for the rest of her life. In her second year at the school, Sullivan underwent a surgery that successfully restored some of her sight. In 1886, she graduated at the head of her class and decided to become a teacher herself. She found her first job after graduation with the help of Michael Anagnos, the then director at Perkins. He had received a letter from the Keller family in Alabama requesting a governess for their daughter Helen, who was both blind and deaf. Sullivan accepted the position and arrived at Keller's home in Tuscumbia, Alabama on March 3, 1887. She was 20 years old at the time, and her student, Helen Keller, was six. Keller had been left blind and deaf at the age of 19 months after contracting an unknown illness, possibly rubella or scarlet fever. As she got older, the young girl became increasingly frustrated by her total inability to see or hear. Feeling cut off from the outside world, with no meaningful way to express herself, she grew unruly and prone to temper tantrums. Her parents were at a loss for how to help her, so that's where Anne Sullivan came in. Helen Keller would later describe the day of her teacher's arrival as her soul's birthday, the moment when the world she lived in and her place within it finally began to make some sense. Up until then, Keller had relied on just a few dozen hand gestures to communicate with her parents and to ask for things. Expanding her vocabulary took a good deal of trial and error, but gradually, Sullivan developed an effective style of teaching. First, she taught Keller using the Todoma method, which she had been introduced to at the Perkins School, where it was invented. Todoma, also known as tactile lip reading, involves placing the student's hand on the teacher's face so that the thumb is resting on the throat, the index finger on the lips, and the middle finger on the nose. With this arrangement, the student is able to feel the vibrations of the teacher's spoken words and then translate them into sound. The next method Sullivan used was the manual alphabet, also known as fingerspelling. As the name suggests, it's a series of hand signs where each letter of the alphabet is represented by a different arrangement of the fingers, which can then be chained together to spell out words. Anne Sullivan had learned the skill from Laura Bridgman, a fellow graduate of Perkins who was actually the first deafblind person to receive a formal education. Fingerspelling was originally developed as a way for the deaf to communicate the alphabet visually. However, Bridgman adapted the method for those with deaf blindness by spelling out words into the palm of a hand, thereby allowing the recipient to feel what's being said. 
Sullivan used a combination of Todoma and fingerspelling to teach Keller the connection between words and objects. This approach yielded rapid results, with perhaps the biggest breakthrough occurring just one month into their time together. On April 5, 1887, Keller learned the meaning of the word water when Sullivan pumped water from a well into the girl's outstretched hands while also repeatedly spelling out the word into her palm. The teacher wrote a letter home five days later, and in it, she described the great progress her student had made since that fateful day at the well. I see an improvement in Helen from day to day, she wrote, almost from hour to hour. Everything must have a name now. Wherever we go, she asks eagerly for the names of things she has not learned at home, and we notice that her face grows more expressive each day. Under Anne Sullivan's tutelage, seven-year-old Helen Keller mastered the manual alphabet, learned to read Braille, and even branched out to other subjects, such as mathematics, all within the span of six months. That unprecedented success garnered national attention for both teacher and student. They made numerous public appearances together and mingled with other prominent figures of the day, including Thomas Edison, Alexander Graham Bell, and beloved American author Mark Twain. In fact, it was Twain who later gave Anne Sullivan her now-famous nickname. In a postcard, he greeted her with, quote, warm regard and with limitless admiration of the wonders she has performed as a miracle worker. In 1888, Helen Keller enrolled in the Perkins School herself, and Sullivan went along to continue assisting in her education. A couple years later, Keller was admitted to Radcliffe College, a women's liberal arts school in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Once again, Sullivan remained by her side, where she diligently spelled out each lecture to Keller and read to her for hours each day. In 1904, the pair's hard work paid off, when Helen Keller became the first deaf-blind person to earn an undergraduate degree. Some listeners may be familiar with Keller's autobiography, The Story of My Life, which was first published in 1903. She actually began working on the book while still a student at Radcliffe, with Sullivan helping to transcribe it. During that time, Sullivan met John A. Macy, a professor at Harvard University who helped edit Keller's manuscript. That close working relationship eventually led to romance between Macy and Sullivan. They got married in 1905, but Sullivan remained devoted to Keller. In fact, the three of them lived together in a Massachusetts farmhouse, and Sullivan and Keller continued making the rounds on lecture tours, just as they had before her marriage. Sullivan and Macy eventually split up around 1913 or 1914. When the couple parted ways, Macy moved to Europe. They were never formally divorced, but they never reconciled either. Over the next two decades, Sullivan and Keller continued to live and work together. They gave lectures on the vaudeville circuits, both in the U.S. and abroad, and later worked for the newly formed American Foundation for the Blind, serving as advocates for the needs of people with vision loss. The hectic lifestyle slowly took its toll on Sullivan's already fragile health. Finally, on October 15, 1936, she developed a blood clot, which restricted the flow of blood to her heart, causing her to slip into a coma. She died five days later, at the age of 70, with Helen Keller holding her hand. Sullivan's ashes were placed in a memorial at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., 
making her the first woman to be interred at that distinguished resting place. Helen Keller went on to live a long and full life, penning several more books and continuing her work for the AFB. A woman named Polly Thompson had long served as the live-in secretary for Keller and Sullivan, and she took over the role as Keller's companion and interpreter after Sullivan's death. When Keller passed away herself in 1968, she too was cremated and interred at the National Cathedral, with her ashes placed right alongside those of Sullivan and Thompson. It's fitting that they all be joined in death, because as Sullivan once said, quote, My own life is so interwoven with my Helen's life that I can't separate myself from her. There's no denying the strength of their bond or the ways in which they came to define each other's lives. The achievements they shared are astounding. But at the root of them all was a humble, dedicated teacher, a woman who yearned to improve the lives of others through service. When Sullivan graduated Perkins in 1886, she gave a speech as the valedictorian of her class. Fellow graduates, she began, duty bids us to go forth into active life. Let us go cheerfully, hopefully, and earnestly, and set ourselves to find our special part. When we have found it, willingly and faithfully perform it. For every obstacle we overcome, every success we achieve, tends to bring man closer to God and make life more as he would have it. At Sullivan's funeral some fifty years later, Bishop James E. Freeman made clear that Sullivan had indeed reached her goal. The touch of her hand, he said, did more than illuminate the pathway of a clouded mind. It literally emancipated a soul. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Show. Special thanks to listener Whitney White for suggesting today's topic. And if you have a historical topic you'd like to see covered on the show, don't be shy. Send it along by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Play.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.